0: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Donna Titley. I'm the Talent and Development Manager at Peerpoint at AO Allen Overy. Today, I'm going to be talking to Nishila Makio, who is the Graduate Recruitment and Talent Development Manager at Allen Overy. And we're going to be discussing the candidate journey for. Uh, interns through to trainees at Allen & Overy. Nishila has a really wide-ranging background and experience in this area. And I know that it's something that people have lots of questions about. So this is a real opportunity to hear from Nishila and answer some of those, those questions, those challenging questions about how to make a good impression, how to really build your career um, and ensure that you are ready and prepared for that recruitment. Process. Hi, Nishila, and a very warm welcome to today's show. Hi, Donna. Before we get started, um, how about you tell me a little bit more about Alan and Overy or A and what your role is? Sure, so I guess a little bit about my
1: journey here to even get to ANO. Um, I've worked in the campus recruitment space in Hong Kong for the last 12 years and I've been at ANO for the past two years. For people that don't know Allen & Overy, or A&O as it's otherwise called, um, it's an international law firm. We have 30 plus offices across the world. In the Hong Kong office, there's approximately 230 people that work here, and AO has about 6,000 people globally. In terms of my own role with a and um, I look after graduate recruitment and trainee development. So we hire approximately 10 to 12 trainees a year and about 25 to
0: 27 interns. Okay, great. So um, it sounds like you have a busy time with, uh, in terms of interns, trainees and interns. Um, And uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the intern aspect? So what is it uh, that the interns do every year? Sure. So we take, as I said, approximately
1: 25 to 27 interns over the summer we run two programs so we run one in june and one in july interns spend approximately 3 to 4 weeks with us during that time they are assigned a trainer and a buddy and they're given work to do so they really get to know what kind of work they do if they would come back to us as a trainee They also get to um, take part in lots of different workshops and information sessions, you know, social networking events. And those have obviously been a little bit different during the COVID situation. But it's really a good way for them to really get to know the firm before they make a decision as to whether or not they want to be a trainee with us. The other thing they would do as part of that internship program is they would do some assessments and they would have a partner interview and successful candidates who do this program with us could have the potential offer
0: to come back as a trainee solicitor. Wow. So, um, gosh, what I'm hearing is there's a, there's, there's a lot that they can do as an intern. There's a lot involved in really helping them to have that experience of what it might be like to be in a law firm. Um, Can you tell me a bit more about the, you know, having a a trainer and a buddy? What does does that involve? Sure. So the reason that we
1: assign them a trainer and a buddy is, so a trainer is someone who assigns them their work on a day-to-day basis. And really that trainer is there to provide guidance to them, provide feedback. So really give them real work to do, give them that guidance and feedback all day, because obviously they've never worked in a law firm before. And then, in terms of the buddy, it's someone who was a previous trainee, so they're uh, sorry, a previous intern. So they are now a trainee with us, and they are really there to, I guess, show them the office. I, I guess give them an insight into the culture, but really help them to get to know us as a firm and to be able to answer any questions that they might
0: have. So I really like the idea of um, not only they get the opportunity to kind of work and um, do things on their own but they're kind of part of a cohort as well that they're uh, doing some training, they've got the support of somebody who's senior but they've also got the support of somebody who's been a trainee so they've kind of, they've they've got somebody close by who, who has had that experience themselves
1: absolutely yes and that's
0: really really important i
1: think so i think it's a great way for them to then make a decision because actually the internship is a two-way process right mm. you're not making it's not just us deciding on whether or not they're a good fit with us but it's for them to also really think about is, are they? Are we a good fit for them? Because yeah. it's a big decision to make when you're making that, you know, choice on is this the right firm for you for your training contract?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a, it's such an important point about that kind of two way process because I think we often think about these uh, opportunities as being feeling a little bit one way, feeling a, a little bit, um, you know, uh, pressured for the graduate coming in that it's a kind of a they, they need to perform and, and be a certain thing. but actually it is a two-way process and it is an opportunity to get the look and the feel of what an organization is like and what a role is like.
1: Absolutely and I think that's
0: that's really, really important. So from that, um, tell me more about the the opportunity of um, becoming a trainee, so from going from that summer intern opportunity to to being a trainee
1: really it starts before
0: they even become an intern so obviously they need to go through all of the assessment
1: and selection process mm. and then in terms of the trainee contract decision that's based on feedback from the trainer it's also based on how they perform during the assessments that they do um, throughout the program. It's also in terms of behaviour and attitude in terms of the program. So we're looking at lots of different things. So I think sometimes trainees will say, Well, I didn't do very well in the partner interview. Um, I just want them to be assured that actually we don't just base it on one thing because sometimes people are nervous during interviews. So actually, we're looking at how do they perform throughout the internship program. And that's also really important
0: for them to know that. So, in terms of um, that experience of being an intern, that, that leads to the opportunity to consider um, applying to be a trainee? Sure. So, actually, it's
1: automatic. So, we we don't hire trainees directly. Really, the only way to do it is to actually come in as an intern. Okay. So they come in as an intern and then they have that three to four weeks to really shine and to really show their personality, to show how they fit with us and to go through all of that. Um, you know, the trainer feedback to go through the partner interview and to do the assessments. And then we make a decision based on that at the end of that program. So everyone who comes onto our summer internship program has as much
0: chance as anyone else on that program of becoming a trainee. Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty exciting that yes. they've already had that experience. Um, so, tell me. Um, I guess the next stage of that process is the application process uh, for the graduate scheme. So, tell me a bit more about that. How does that work? Sure. So for all of the people that apply to us, they need
1: to um, really do it online. So we don't accept applications through anything other than the website. It's a three-stage application process. So the first stage is, as I say, the online application. Mm. So during that, they would complete an application form, they do a cover letter and a CV. And then once they've done that, they will be sent a link to do what we call a situational judgment test. The other name for that people might use the shortened form which is an SJT and really this is a video-based immersive interview Mm. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a little while. So once they've done that, if they're successful we will shortlist them. The second stage then is a HR scenario-based interview and that's with the graduate recruitment team. Once they've done that, they will then do a business case study interview with one of our lawyers. And then successful candidates will then be made an offer for the summer internship program.
0: Gosh, that's quite a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> so, can we break it down a bit? Because I think my head's just kind of spun out of control thinking about that. So, t- tell me a little bit more about um, each part of the process so that we can understand a little bit about why that process. Um, is important and what it consists of. Sure, so the first stage, as I said, is the application form. So if
1: I really look at the application form, that application form is asking for their personal information, it's asking for, I guess, university information, and then it's also asking specific job response questions. So there are certain questions that we know which look at, I guess, a couple of competencies and their motivation to want to come and work for us. So I guess in terms of that, what I would do is before I even complete that application form, I would recommend that a candidate sits down and really brainstorm. So think about what is the application form asking you? think about what skills do I have and think about what examples could I put into that application form.
0: And then they can then go ahead and complete that application form. So can I just ask you about, uh, you mentioned competency questions. Yes. So um, what does that mean exactly? Because I know that I'm not a lawyer yet. So how do I, you know, competency to be a lawyer or what what kind of competency? Sure.
1: We're not saying what is the competency to become a lawyer. So a competency is really a skill or an attribute. Okay. And so what do we mean by this? So so if I look at ANO, some of our competencies are things like intellect, um, things like communication, emotional intelligence, technology awareness, open-mindedness, collaboration. So actually, all of those skills and competencies, everyone has them. It's looking at, you know, maybe they go back and they look at their university experiences, they look at their work experience experience. They can look at have they done any voluntary work, have they been involved in a group project and you can pull those competencies out of any of those things. Um, You don't need to go actually what is it that I need as a lawyer and the way that I would look at it and, and each company will have competencies which are more important to them than others and they can go onto the website and they can look at what is it that, you know, what are our values as an organization? So what are A&O's values and what competencies would they be looking for? So actually, if they go onto our website,
0: they'll be able to watch a video which goes through those competencies. Okay, so so it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously it's common sense to go and look at a website for any organization you're thinking about joining because you'll find so much information there. But there's actually a video as well that's going to help with that with that process.
1: Absolutely. And and that's what I would always recommend to a candidate is there's a lot of information online. Go and have a look at that before you start your application.
0: Okay. So application form is done. Yes. Competency questions have been answered. So what comes next? The other two things are your CV and your cover
1: letter. And people sometimes say to me, well, you're asking me to fill in an application form why am I then doing a CV as well? So actually the reason that people ask for an application form and all employers that ask for one are the same is we're asking the same questions of every single candidate so actually we're looking for certain information that we want and we want to measure people in a really robust and fair way and that's one way to do that so really in terms of the CV the purpose of that is really for you to highlight your own experience and for you to pull out what you think is really important from your past experience and really let us know about that so you know have you done a mooting competition have you you know had a particular internship and what did you learn from that internship? So really that CV is a chronological description of
0: yourself and where you are now. Okay, now I know um, because I've seen lots of CVs in, in my career, I'm sure you've seen thousands of CVs in your career. Absolutely. I would love to hear your top tips of what you love seeing in a CV, but also maybe some of the points to really avoid
1: okay so what I really like seeing and and absolutely I've seen lots and lots of CVs and if your CV is really messy it's really difficult to read actually a recruiter probably won't bother reading it so use headlines use bullet points make sure that the information is clear so You know, can I read down that page really quickly? Make it one to two pages. Don't make it any longer than that, especially not if you're an intern. You shouldn't need to make it any longer than that. Um, Make sure that the dates are all correct. Um, Don't leave gaps in your CV. So if you do have a gap, that's absolutely fine. Maybe you were traveling, maybe you had gone to, I don't know, maybe you did an exchange somewhere. Make sure that all of that information is correct on that CV. Um, Don't make grammatical errors. I know that's a really simple one, but you're applying to a law firm. Attention to detail is super important. When you don't have that attention to detail, someone will stop reading it. So
0: I guess those were the things that I would say are really key. Those are all really good tips. Um, I think... uh... In my experience, the other one that uh, I've really noticed is is the email address that they use, whether they've got a professional sounding email address.
1: Absolutely. So if your email address is funfun fun at gmail.com. <laughs> Probably not a good idea, although I have seen that in the past. Um, But you're right, email addresses are super important. So, you know what, have a really uh, interesting one for your friends, but try and have a
0: professional one for work. Absolutely, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Okay, so we've got, um, we've done our online form. We've done our CV. Tell me about the covering letter. Why why do we need a covering letter?
1: Sure. So the covering letter is really for you to really explain to me as a recruiter and the hiring manager why we should even interview you. So it's a really good way for A, your personality to shine through, but B, also for you to get across a whole load of information. So in terms of that, what I'm talking about is, you know, why do you want to work for us as an organisation? why are you applying for this particular job? So why are you applying to be an intern with us? Um, What is it about us that motivates you to apply for us? And more importantly, why should we hire you as a person? So I think it's really key to make sure you get all of those things across in your cover letters. So your cover letter should be, I guess, four paragraphs and it should cover those things. And then the other thing to remember, and again, it's the same tips as the CV, make sure that you know it's clear, it's concise, um, each paragraph follows from the other one, make sure you haven't made spelling mistakes in that. It's my key one, and I've seen it more than once, unfortunately, over the 12 years of doing this role, is don't copy and paste things because when you copy and paste, you make mistakes and I have seen people write to me um, at, say they're writing to a but actually they've put another firm's name in that cover letter and I can tell you when that happens, I won't bother reading the rest of your form, your CV or your cover letter because actually you've shown that you're not really that interested in us as a firm and you're not really committed to working for us because you haven't even bothered to reread your own application. Mm.
0: No, I I hear you. I think uh, that's, uh, I I hate to say it's a common mistake, but it's a mistake that I think we've all seen frequently over the years. Yes. It's interesting because actually the process of filling in those forms and as you say, thinking about how you tailor your letter also sounds to me like really good preparation for when you get to interview stage that in a way you're building up your portfolio of, um, of experience and tailoring around why this firm, why this opportunity is important to you. So actually all of this effort, which might seem like a lot of maybe repetition or a lot of paperwork is a really great opportunity to kind of hone yourself ready for interview.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think it's really good preparation. The other thing I always say to people is, you know, reread your application form, your CV, your cover Mm -hmm. letter before turning up for an interview, because you will get asked about anything that you've put on there. You will get questioned on. So I guess the other thing that I would say is don't exaggerate in any of those (laughs) things. So don't make things up. Don't use your friend's experience. I know because I've questioned candidates in an interview and when I've delved a bit deeper, you realize that it wasn't their experience at all. It was somebody else's and they've borrowed it. So don't exaggerate, don't lie. You'll get found out, it's not worth it. But absolutely do talk about your own experience and really think about why that's important and why you're talking about it.
0: Mm, That's really, yeah, that's really good advice. And yeah, being yourself is... As it kind of goes back to that two-way process, of um, it's an opportunity for both parties to see, to um, experience the person and the firm as it will be. Because if it's a good fit or the right fit, then it will be a successful fit. Absolutely, yes,
1: that's that's completely
0: true. Okay, great. So we've got our we've got our paperwork in order. I feel yes. Um, What comes next? Okay, so if you are lucky
1: enough then to get through all your paperwork, you then get invited to do the situational judgment test. So that's our online immersive assessment. And really what it boils down to is you're shown some videos Mm. and those videos are scenarios that if you were to come and work for us as a trainee, you might be placed in that scenario. Mm. And really, so once you're shown the video, you will then be asked a question. So the video might be a trainee placed uh, with a partner they've been asked to do some work for them and the question might be so what would you do next or how would you deal with this situation so it's really it's looking at a situation how you would behave in that situation Um, and then you will be given some time to answer the question and the question is in a format of some responses and you pick what you think
0: is the response that you would use. So is it, so you watch the video, but the response is a, is it a spoken response or a written response? It's a written response. A written so, response. so so there
1: is, there's four or five responses okay. and you pick which you think is your best response to that situation. Now there's no right or wrong because all of the responses are you know as a person you might behave in that way. Mm. So I think that with situational judgment tests you can't practice for them because actually they're looking at your innate behavior. What you can do is you can go on to A&O's website. You can, there is a link to show you a clip of how it would work. So if you're really worried about it, you can put your mind at ease, go and watch the video clip, see, you know, what what is it that you might be thrown um, and then have a look at that. And then really, I guess what we say to people is it takes about 20 to 30 minutes. Don't overthink it, just come up with what you think is your first response because actually that's how you're gonna behave. So we're looking at your genuine response Mm. Um, And that's all we're doing. So I think take your time, do the video assessment um, and then it's done.
0: Yeah. So there's no, it's not about a right or wrong answer. It's just about um, just being yourself. Absolutely. So Nishila, after the SJT, someone might be invited to interview But I know there are lots of different styles of interview, lots of different ways of questioning people at interview. Could you give us some more information about what some of those styles
1: are? Sure. So I guess maybe let's start with the competency one because that's what I've just spoken about. So a competency-based question might be something like, tell me about a time when you were part of a team and what did you do and what was your role? So really we're looking at that competency and that competency is teamwork. And I would recommend to a candidate that the way to break down this question and the best and easiest way to answer it is to use what I call the STAR technique. So what do I mean by that? And what I mean is S is situation. So what situation were you based in? And then T is task, so what task were you asked to do? And then the most important one is A, so what actions did you take? And I don't want to know what actions somebody else did, it's what did you do? So usually a, it starts with an I, so I did this, I did that. And then the, R, the first R is results, so what were the results of those actions? And then the last bit is reflection. So what worked, what didn't work, and something didn't work, what did you learn from that? So that's what an interviewer is really looking for. And if you use that technique, then actually it's a really easy way to answer a competency-based question.
0: So it starts with a double R and it's really focusing on a previous experience and using that previous experience to highlight that competency.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. So it's looking at past experiences and past behavior. And from that, the interviewer will then ascertain, you know, how do you actually behave Mm. in a certain situation?
0: So that previous experience, um, some of our candidates may not have necessarily had work experience before. So um, it can go back to that wider experience. It doesn't have to just be kind of employment-based.
1: Maybe they've been a secretary of a certain society. Okay, yeah. They have done some voluntary work. They, they've obviously done project work at, at university. It could even be based on a class at university. It can be anything. So it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, a past internship because they, as you say, they might not have had one.
0: Okay. So it's really, really taking the time to think about your own full wide experience in yes, your life. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I feel like I've got competency-based interviews under my hat. What comes okay. next? Okay.
1: So the other type of interview you might get asked is a technical um, interview. So a technical interview Usually it's based on your role. So it will vary from, you know, if you're applying to a law firm, to an investment bank, to, I don't know, an accountancy firm. So it's really questions which might be based on that particular role that you're applying for. So if you're applying for a marketing role, it might be, you know, what are the best um, digital marketing tools that you can use out there so it will be based on something like that so what I would recommend is a candidate should have a look at you know what would it what kind of things might you be doing as a lawyer who are our clients who do we work with what sort of things might you get asked I think the internet is an amazing tool Mm. so if they go and do their research and they just type in technical questions um, for whatever industry they're going into they'll get a load of sites which will tell them the types of technical questions that they might get asked. Again, we're not looking for, do you know everything about that? What we're looking for is how do you
0: analyze that question? Okay. Okay. That's really that's really good advice because um, I think the internet is full of some, you know, some really good advice. Are there any particular um, websites or areas that you would recommend beyond the company's own website? Sure. So I think, first of all,
1: your university careers website is amazing. So make the most of that. You've got some really good careers people um, sitting there and, and that's their job, right? So go and have a look at those university websites. I think some of the UK ones are really, really good. At the That type of thing. The other place to start is your own law department. So go and talk to people in your law department in terms of, you know, what type of experience they've had in terms of interview questions. They should be able to give you some advice, and then they can go on to some of the websites that are in the UK. So things like Prospects is really
0: good. They can have a look at some of those. Okay, that's really that's really good to know. So it's it's because it is a you know industry technical questions it can be you know websites they're global resources we're not just looking at resources in Hong Kong
1: sure so so you know if they're looking at coming into a commercial law firm we're looking at commerce so maybe have a look at some of the invest investment banking ones so although you're not going into investment banking, a lot of our clients are the banks. Mm, so get, have get, a look at the kind yeah. of questions maybe that are on there as well. And that would be really, really useful. So, you know, what is a what is a merger? What is an acquisition? Mm. Um, what might you be asked if you were doing a valuation? Those types of things I think are, you know, things that you could go and do and look at. The other thing that I think is really important to do is read the news. Yes. So I know that sounds really trivial, everyone has a smartphone, download a decent news website and read the business news on a regular basis. So sometimes technical questions can take the premise of maybe something that's happening in the world currently. So maybe they might get asked about US sanctions, right, on China that's current in the news today, that obviously may not be what's going to be current in the news when you're applying, but really read the news on a regular basis so that you can see and think about what you might get asked. And really what they're asking for is not, is there a right or wrong answer? The interviewer is asking for your opinion Mm. and your analysis on whatever you've read.
0: Oh, that's really that's really insightful because uh, that kind of global idea of being somebody, if you want to work with a global organization, that you're somebody who's interested in what goes on around the world. Exactly. And that's what they're looking for. So I always say
1: to interns and trainees, if you're not going to university in Hong Kong and you're in the UK or the US or Australia, You should also read the Hong Kong and APAC news because actually that's what an interviewer is interested in is, Mm. do you have that international commercial outlook and can you really advise our clients from an international perspective?
0: That's a great insight. Um, so we've got uh, competency-based. We've got technical. What what other types of interviews might, might candidates face?
1: Sure. So the other one is the scenario one. So we do what we call a strengths-based interview, and that's slightly different to a competency interview. So we're not looking at how you've behaved in the past. What we're looking at is we've put you into a situation or a scenario. How do you react? within that scenario. So what is your strength in terms of collaboration? So that scenario will specifically be testing you on one competency or one skill or one attribute. And we're looking at how do you then react within that scenario? And what I would do is once you've given that initial answer, I would then probe you a little bit further and that could slightly change the scenario, it might change the direction that scenario is going in. Um, And really there's no right or wrong answer in a strengths-based interview because it's looking at your innate strength in say
0: collaboration. And do you find when um, in those kinds of interviews, in strengths-based interviews, are candidates usually very aware of their own strengths? Um, And how, if they're not, if that's something that they find challenging, how might they develop that knowledge? Sure.
1: So I guess it goes back to that application. So when you're looking at the website and you're looking at what are our values, what are our competencies, you've got them all because you've watched that little video at the beginning. You've seen what our competencies are. Have a look at those and really brainstorm. So write down some key um, skills, some key, not some key skills, sorry, some key experiences based on those scenarios.
0: Okay. Any other types of interview um, techniques or interview situations that can sure. so be Sure. So I well? guess
1: the last one is probably the motivation-based uh, interview or a motivation-based question. And that's really looking at your motivation and your passion for the role. So how do you show that? So you do that by looking at the company website, maybe read some news articles that the company has produced. So always look at what uh, what is in the press. So what have they, have they worked on a deal recently? So do you know a little bit about us as a company? And then really looking at, you know, the role. So what is the role asking you to do? So do you know what it is to be an intern or a trainee at a and And then thinking about Why do I really want to do this? So please don't come and regurgitate the website back to me because I probably know that website inside out. (laughs) But it's looking at, you know, what are those values? How do I show that passion for the organization and the role? And I think that that's really, really key. So the next stage is the HR scenario based interview. So that is with the graduate recruitment team. And we would ask the candidate a bunch of questions. And those questions are based on our competencies, which I spoke about earlier. Uh And I would pose a scenario to the um, person who's being interviewed. And then I would ask them a question. And they would then give me their response to that question. And then we'd probe a little bit deeper depending on what answer they give as their first answer.
0: How long does that usually last?
1: So approximately 30 to 40 minutes. We would also ask them a couple of motivation questions as well, because we do want to know a little bit about their background. So we won't launch straight into the competency-based questions, Um, we want to put people at ease. So Mm -hmm. we'll ask them a little bit about their background, so they tell us about themselves. And then we would go into the competency-based questions. And I don't think people should feel um, worried about this because obviously they've already done some of that pre-work, right? So they did that application form. When they were doing that, they brainstormed um, their skills and they looked at our values. So really, it's just another extension of that application form. It's just in person. Mm -hmm. And it's also a good opportunity for them to really get to know us at that stage as well.
0: Yeah. So, you know, the the two-way conversation continues, that it is this, you know, two-way learning about each other, learning about Alan and Overy, learning about the candidate. Yes, exactly. Brilliant. Okay. And what's, I'm just thinking about timing as well for this process. So, um, the online application um, CV cover letter, um, how long is it from that point until the SJT and then on to the interview? Sure.
1: So it's very short to the SJT. So as soon as they've completed that application form um, and they've submitted their application, they'll Mm. get an immediate link to the SJT. We do have a little bit of a gap between the SJT and when we start those HR scenario based interviews, the application opens in September. Um and most candidates then don't complete that process until october November. um so we would start those hr scenario based interviews in November and then we'd go on to the final stage, which is the lawyer business case study interview and that usually takes place maybe a couple of weeks, two or three weeks after the hr scenario based interviews
0: so the the so tell me it's the lawyer business case scenario interview. So it's the lawyer business case partner
1: interview. Partner interview. So it's okay. maybe I tell you a little bit about that because I guess that's the bit that most candidates
0: find really daunting and they get really okay. worried about it. Sounds, it. It's, I have to be honest, it does sound a little daunting because it has that magic word partner in it. So it could be a partner or a counsel. I think
1: they shouldn't worry because at the end of the day, they're just a person, right? We're all people. It's nothing to worry about. And they're so used to doing case studies at university. It's exactly one of those. It's nothing more than that. So what happens is they would be sent the same link that they were sent to do the HR interview. They would go online Um, and they get 45 minutes to go through all of the paperwork. So the paperwork is all online, so all it is is a case study. So they are given some documents to read, Mm. and they're exactly the same kind of documents that they might get if they were an intern or a trainee with us. So they would go through those documents, they will be set some questions based on the documents, and then they would prepare a short presentation. Mm. They get approximately 10 minutes to do the presentation to the partner. And then the partner will ask them some questions based on whatever they have presented. So um,
0: they're doing the process on their own, so they're online doing it uh, by themselves because at university they may have been used to doing that kind of case study as a group or a team. Uh, But this one's just one one person. Um, Are they being observed at any time during their prep process? Sure so
1: we're not observing them through the whole prep process but we do say to them that we might drop in because we want to make sure that they're doing that on their own. Um, We do say to them don't use the internet, don't use your mobile phone because actually really they don't have time so candidates that do really well actually spend that 45 minutes really wisely. So my key tips would be read through the instructions first have a look at what we're asking you to do before you even start doing anything else because I think that's really important so then you know what what we're really asking you to do. Once you've done that, read through all of the documents, jot down bullet points as you go along and you'll know what you need to pick out of the documents because you've read the instructions. Once you've done that, Think about how you're going to structure that presentation. So are you going to structure it based on the questions that have been asked? Or are you going to structure it based on, I guess, um, you know, what your key findings were and what the solutions are for, say, the client, if that's what the scenario is on? And I think candidates who do it that way are really successful. So the kind of client focus... Yes. So so say it's a client-focused question. So what is it that the client wants to know? What are your key tips? What is it that you need to highlight to the partner? And what are your solutions for the client? And then try to think about what kind of questions the partner might ask you based on what what you've presented. So preempt those questions and think about, actually, what did you pick out? And we do say to the candidates that at any time, they can go back and forth to the documents. We're not asking you to remember those documents. It's, It's far too much. And the, the partner is absolutely fine for you to say, can you give me one minute? I'd like to go back to document A or document D. Um, and sometimes the partner might say, okay, why don't you go back to document D, which is whatever form of document it is, and have a look at this section and tell me a little bit more about that. So the partner will guide you in terms of that. So I think it's nothing to be scared about. And I know it sounds daunting, but actually it's just follow the instructions, read through what we want you to do, and then just really think about what is it that you're going to get asked.
0: Mm. So it's, it's less of a test because it could sound like it's just a test and you've got to come up with the right answers, but it's actually more about a kind of working scenario, which is, coming up with suggestions and being able to as you say go back potentially go back to the documents um almost a little way kind of manage the partner manage the person that you're having the conversation with that you don't have to have immediately all the right all the right answers at hand
1: absolutely so what we're looking for is your analytical skills so mm. we're looking for how do you digest information How do you absorb that? Have you read and understood the questions that are being asked? And how do you provide answers to those questions? So really, we're looking at your thought process because that's all that you'll be doing if you come and work for us as an intern or a trainee is, you know, if you're coming to us as a trainee solicitor, can you read the information the client's given you? Can you absorb that? Can you pick out what is most important for the client? and can you then provide that client with advice so mm. that's all we're looking for is your analysis
0: your commercial awareness brilliant so that that sounds like a actually a really good business focused opportunity as as opposed to a test that's kind of a bit scary because it's with a partner
1: absolutely and and the other great thing about this is it really gives them a chance to see What could they be doing Mm. for us if they came to us as a trainee? Because it's based on a real-life scenario that Mm. they would get if they were a trainee with us. So once they've done all of those uh, processes, (laughs) which sound really daunting, but actually when you break them down, I don't think they're that bad. We would then shortlist successful candidates and those candidates would get an
0: offer for the summer vacation scheme program. Gosh, so yes, it does sound daunting, but actually you're right, breaking them down into their different parts is a really useful way of looking at it and also looking at how uh, the benefits of all of those parts to help you get towards that successful outcome. Yes, exactly. That's, That's what this is.
1: And then I guess the last thing that would happen in terms of this whole process is once they get onto the Summer Vacation Scheme Programme, as part of that vacation scheme program, at the end of that, they would do a partner interview and that interview is a two-way process for them to get to know, I guess, our partners a bit better mm-hmm. and for us to get to know them.
0: So it's really, um, in terms of building your experience, it's actually a really practical and kind of quite exciting process to go through to help you develop your career and help you to really understand more about what being a lawyer is.
1: Um, It is and I think it also you know it's really giving them the opportunity at every stage to see what do we do, what do our interns and trainees do and also you know what would the partner's expectations be if you did come and work for us.
0: Okay so um, in terms of from your perspective, every year you see um, people applying for internships and 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 to become a trainee. What would be your kind of top two tips to leave with?
1: It would be be yourself, be authentic, be genuine. We want to know you as a person. Mm. We don't want to know who you think uh, you know you should be. but it's also take your time through that application process, brainstorm all of your own experience. And then really take your time filling in those application forms, tailor those applications and then most importantly, show passion and motivation for the role. Because actually, if you can't get that across and you don't show us why you really want to work for us, then you're not going to get through that process. So that's what I would say would be
0: really, really important. So understanding that passion, being able to share that passion sounds like a really good tip to leave with. It does. Thank you very much for joining me today, Nishila. It's been a really helpful conversation. Uh, I think lots. what what I love is there's lots of good tips there. There's lots of tips to help people build success into this process. Um, And I hope that people listening will be able to take those away and and use them um, to action their own career success. Thank you. Thank you.